All right, good morning, everyone. Good uh, morning. Like Craig said, my name is Brian Fredrickson. I've uh, been attending here for the past four and a half years with my family, um, wife Melissa, uh, children Darby, Soren, and Joelle. And today is actually a very special day also because my sister is here visiting from Hong Kong. So it's very nice to have uh, Kristen here, her husband Barry, um, my niece Hannah. So also with us, they were the visitors who uh, raised their hand. So they're, they're visitors here with us. They're not necessarily newcomers to the church, but we're very, to have, very happy to have you here. Um, and she gets to hear me talk, so this is amazing. She'll get to tell my parents, you'll not believe this, Brian gives the sermon at the church, which is completely crazy, right, to think about that. Um, this is the fourth time that I've done this in the past year. And this is really, this is an awesome one because for the Ephesians series, I get to be on a team. I haven't done this before. Um, and it's been great preparing with uh, Cam Gates um, spoke. And then last week was John Wolf, And then next week you'll hear from John Hill. So um, our goal is to bring the book of Ephesians to you and and open that up and share it with you in a different way. And you get a different style from each of us, um, which, is really, which is really fun also. We each bring our own, um, our own interpretation. It's God's word. There's only one word and one book of Ephesians that, that Paul wrote. Um, but when you get to prepare like we have and you get to share back, it opens up uh, an entire new, new way of looking at it. And, I, and I'm very happy for that, for that privilege. Um, if you go to the next slide. Um, so why did Paul write to the Ephesians? I'll give a little bit of a background here. Um, we're in chapter 4 today, so um, backing up through the whole book, um, he wrote to expand the horizons of the readers so that they would understand better the dimensions of God's purpose and they would appreciate the higher goals that God has for the church, which I think is a... a it's a wonderful picture because it has the entire uh, purpose for God, why he sent Jesus to be with us on earth, and then how we are supposed to respond to that and specifically um, come together as a church. And all the believers in the church, so it certainly would speak to us. Um, it speaks to us in this church, but it speaks to us as, as Christians and how we're supposed to fulfill God's purpose. And with that in mind, um, I just share with you that this certainly has expanded my horizons as I prepare as I prepare this message because it does have all the challenges and um, it makes me appreciate the goals that God has for, for me as a member, for as a believer and a, um, a Christian and as a member of this church. So um, that purpose certainly is being fulfilled as I prepared and I pray that um, I can speak today and you'll take some of that away and you can appreciate it as well. So with that, let me open up in prayer. Um, Father God, I pray that you use me today to bring your word to your church, that my words are your words, and that you reveal some truth to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you go to the next slide. Um, so what are we called to do in chapter 4 of the book? Um, if you remember that the first three chapters, so... When we get into chapter 4, what we're, what we're called is to live a life worthy of this calling we received, be humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. And this is the calling. So the, the title of this talk is called to love one another. 
And why are we called to love one another? And it's because it's part of, it's part of God's purpose. So if you remember from the start of the, from the start of when Cam talked about chapter one, and then chapters two and three last week, that was all about being. That was God talking about the why. This is why, this is his big plan, our salvation. So if you remember, it was called to be in Christ, is what Cam said. And then yet last week, um, John talked about being called to salvation. So it was all about God's big plan and our place in it. When we get to chapters four, and then also in chapters five and six, it's more of a doing. It's now that that's true. So God laid that foundation of why he did what he did and his purpose. We get into some practical points. And this letter from Paul to the Ephesians is very practical because um, this is a new church that has both Jews and Gentiles together, which to the readers of this letter, it was not obvious on how they would love one another. These are very, very different groups of people within the church, but yet God is saying that the purpose is to have this, this group of believers together being unified, and that is the body of Christ. That will be the body of Christ. So when we get into this loving one another, it's the first, it's the first instruction that Paul gives after he sets the stage with chapters 1, 2, and 3 about God's big purpose. The first thing he goes to is, okay, now we're going to have a church and you're going to love one another. And so that's where it starts. And um, next week when John Hill talks, he'll talk about some specifics that get into, um, in chapters 5 and 6, um, husbands, wives, parents and children, slaves and masters, some spe more specific examples of what to do in the, context of, in the context of God's church. So you go to the next slide. So unity is an important concept in loving one another. You remember from the readings that we had, unity was, it was listed about, the, the word unity or the word one was, was mentioned about eight times in those first six verses. So obviously there's something significant about unity and the role that unity has in, in loving one another. And so if you go to the, the next slide. So loving one another is how we achieve that unity. So the unity just doesn't happen. The unity happens as a result of us, as a result of us loving one another. And so with unity, yeah, with unity being a theme of chapter four, and a unity is a theme of the church coming together, we can see what is the intention of this, of this unity. So you can read along here. I'll follow as I, as I read it, as it gets into um, verses 11 through 13. You can see it says, Christ gave himself to the apostles, that prophets and the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of Christ. So with this, the, the unity, what we can conclude is the unity is how we achieve that maturity. So the goal in this, as it relates to the first, the first chapter of Ephesians and then chapters 2 and 3, is God has a plan that we will be saved, that he has created the universe, that we will be saved through Jesus, 
And that together, here on earth, we're going to be the body of Christ as we have this unity, and this unity will reflect Christ's love, that the love that God has for us, that's how we share it with each other, and reflect that, reflect that life on earth. So the, this is how we praise God and fulfill his purpose, by following this, by following this unity. Go to the, the next slide. So what does maturity look like? Maturity, in verses uh, 14 to 16, there's a, there's a verse that you might um, recall. It's not being tossed back and forth by the waves and being blown, blown in the wind like an infant. Um, but instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow and become the mature body of Christ. And so there's a contrast about what, we're, what it's not, what it doesn't look like, and what it does look like. And in speaking this truth in love, this is how we grow. This is how we grow in that, we grow in that unity. And this, is, and this unity is, is God's plan, and it certainly applies to how we, how we interact with each other and how we treat each other within Capital Community Church, but also the larger, the larger body of Christ. So this, is, so this is God's plan. And so the next slide. So how we how we apply this in our life today now if you can go back if you can go back yeah I'll um, I'll touch on a point within this unity and when we get to this unity that God has in mind it's not going to be easy if you remember verse 2 remember what that said about uh, it didn't say love one another um, in that second verse when he said you're called, you know, live a life worthy of the calling that you have. It didn't say, so love one another. It said, bearing with one another in love. Remember that, that word, bearing with one another. I find that that word just jumped off the page to me when I was studying this, bearing with one another. That's quite a, that's quite a, it's quite a serious word. You don't hear that word um, in other passages. I can't remember a place um, in the Bible where I've heard that word bearing, um, when I hear that, I think of if you were getting instructions, and remember this is Paul writing instructions where he goes very logically through the first, through the first chapters and outlines God's purpose and God's plan and then gets to this transition into doing, um, bearing with one another in love. If I was reading instructions about something that I was following, I'm just, uh, I'll just pick an example, and it said something like, um, let's something that popped into my mind was if you're watching, a, if you're watching somebody's dog and the, they left the keys to, you got the keys to their house, and it's step one, here's where the key is. So step two, open the door. Um, step three, put the leash, you'll find the leash there, put the leash on the dog. Now bear with it, and then once you get the leash on the dog, then you know, step four is simple, take them for a walk. If that insertion of bear with it like, that would cause you to say, this is not going to be easy. I'm imagining this dog is not going to want to get its leash on it. So if you have to bear with something, it's not going to be easy. So the connection I make here as I was, as I was uh, reading this and preparing is like, bear with one another in love. That means this loving one another is not going to come easy. So there's probably, it's... Um, it's probably something that is not going to always feel right and natural because that's the instruction. Bear with it. Now, love one another. Bear with it. And 
still doesn't change the instruction. You're going to love one another. Um, there's probably going to be failure involved, which is, which is part of the plan because that's okay because we've heard in chapters 2 and 3, we have the forgiveness of sins and God will be with us. Um, the, our salvation has already been guaranteed, yet we take that and we go into the first part of doing in chapter 4, and it's bear with one another in love. So this gets my attention, and it's a, Craig gave a very good introduction before I started speaking because he said, you know, if it doesn't hit you now, maybe it will hit you um, in the future, and this is certainly my case. This bearing with one another in love is not going to be easy. And so that's a mindset that I had as I was um, studying this chapter and as I prepared the rest of the examples. Keep that in mind because that's, that's something that I want to come out here. Um, that it's not easy, but it is important because this is God's plan for the church. This is how we get the unity. There's no, there's no other answer. There's no other, there's no other way that God's going to do this because as as, he, as you, we have his purpose in chapters 1 and chapter 2, our salvation. So this is the good news. Our salvation is guaranteed. So we know how this is going to turn out. But chapters 4, 5, 6 is the instructions on how to do this. It's not going to be easy. And God knows this. Um, this is how we grow to the maturity of Christ. Because this is part of the life that God invites us to live. Which is a wonderful life. Uh, a wonderful existence that we have on earth that until, we, until we're together in heaven, it's not going to be easy, but it is God's plan. And so with that intention, we jump into it. Um, so if you go to the, the next slide. And so here, is, here are some of the, here are some of the, um, some of the ways, some examples that we have in our, that we have, that we could follow as, um, how to apply this, how to apply this in our lives today. And it gets into this, the second part of uh, chapter 4, which is do not speak falsely, but share the truth in love. Do not steal, but do work that builds up the body. And in verse 29, do not use harsh words that tear people down, but speak praises about people to encourage them and build them up. And these, if you notice something about each of these, and this is, um, I, I put these three phrases put these in there together, this is how it's written in the scripture if, when you read these. Um, you'll notice it's a do not, but then do. So it, each of these has a contrasting, as a contrasting theme. And so now we'll go to the, we'll go to the first one, which is um, found in verse 25, which is do not speak falsely, but share the truth in love. And so this is, speaking the truth in love is how we build the unity. That was also mentioned in verse 15 where in verse 15 it says, this is how we build that unity, we speak the truth in love. And so the, the next slide. Um, I have a, a, a diagram here that I took from, uh, I, honestly I took this from my work, it's a, it's a place where you, it's about giving feedback. So this is a corporate, this is in a corporate setting, and the context isn't, um, the context isn't sharing, sharing God's love, but it's rather, uh, the context is giving feedback. And I, I'll uh, explain to you the quadrants if you, if you can't see them. I put on the axis um, how truth, like speaking the truth in love would be like coaching, 
somebody or giving feedback. And I, and I changed the, uh, the axes to be truthful and not truthful to relate it to this sermon. So it, you could see it goes from, um, you know, not speaking the truth to all, all the way being truthful. And then up and down is being loving and not loving. And you could see that if you're giving coaching to somebody, that quadrant that's loving and truthful, I have listed as number one, which is maximum effectiveness. So if you're giving somebody coaching, that's the maximum effectiveness you can do is give the information that the person needs, what, they're, what, they're, what is on target, what is off target, in a loving way is going to have the biggest impact. Then below that, you could see is um, number two is effective, but it's, it's harsh. So if you're speaking the truth to somebody, but it's not in love, it's, not going, it's obviously not going to be as effective as the first one when you speak the truth in love. Um, you are speaking the truth, but whether or not that person is hearing it is going to be dependent on how loving or not loving you're going to be. And if you're not being loving, but you're speaking the truth, don't be surprised if that person's, if what they're hearing is not what you intend to hear because it's, it's just not loving. So it's not going to, not going to be heard it's going to be less effective but it will still have a certain degree of effectiveness number three is the one that's loving and not truthful and that will be likable the person will hear what you're saying but it's going to be ineffective because it's not the truth so you're if you're giving somebody feedback or you're coaching somebody they might like you but you're not really helping them to develop and in this context um, you're not helping to build the unity of God's church which is the context that Paul has. When I make the analogy to coaching or feedback in any setting, whether it's academics or performing arts or uh, business or athletics, um, a coach who is not being truthful is not going to be a good coach. And the, the, the reason I put it here is because um, based on what I've learned and also what I've, what I've read, uh, number one is obviously the best, the most, the maximum. But if you're coaching somebody, or what I'll make the parallel to, is if we're with each other fulfilling God's purpose in building his church of believers, um, number two, if you're being a coach, the number two quadrant is actually effective. And the person might not, if it's not done in a loving way, it might not be effective right away. But the person will come to realize that what the person is saying is the truth. So the, the gap between one and two is actually closer than one and three. One and three, um, if you're coaching somebody, is not going to be, it's not going to be effective. Because you're not, you're not speaking the truth to that. You're not speaking the truth to that person. The per you're not giving them what they need. So again, um, it's, a, it's a loose connection but the one that I want to draw to feedback is the goal is to speak the truth in love, which is far and away going to be the most effective way to build the body of Christ. And that's what we, and that's what we have to do in this context. And also remember the context in speaking the truth in love is part of God's plan to build the church. Amongst people who are believers, they're very different. And when you have people who are very different and, and believers, you have to do that extra work to figure out how do you speak the truth in a loving way. And it's not just about, remember um, Paul's instruction, it's not just about not speaking falsely. So the part of this 
the part of this uh, chart that talks about like not speaking truthfully, it's, it, I hopefully you, you hear this and it's like, well, okay, I'm not going to lie about somebody. I'm not going to make something up. I'm not going to speak down, um, speak not the truth to somebody, which is good, but you've got half of it. The other half is to speak the truth and not be quiet. So that would be a case where if there's something that, ah, you see it and you're not sure if you should say something or not, but you know it's the truth, you have to, you have to move that direction. And that's what we count on. The challenge is speaking the truth in love, which is the hard part, which is where I think the bear with it comes in. You know, that's where it's bear with one another in love. So those, those thoughts all fit together in my mind where Paul sets a pretty high bar when he says, do not speak falsely, but speak the truth in love. Bear with one another to speak the truth in love. Um, it's, it's not easy to do. And in this part, um, if you go to the next slide, um, so again, with speaking the truth, it's be choiceful because when you're speaking the truth in love, you're doing it with an intentional purpose. You're not just randomly speaking the truth in love to everybody. Remember, this isn't, this isn't a, a, a verse or a concept that applies generally, you know, in every situation, believers, non-believers specifically. This is about, this is God's plan for building the unity of the church, which is very intentional. My analogy to the feedback is when you're a coach to somebody, you're being very intentional. There's a relationship that's established where you are giving feedback to somebody who you are coaching, so it's, a, it's an intentional relationship. The relationship with us in the church also is intentional. So that's what I mean by be choiceful. And then the second one is um, to be confrontational to call when, you, when there is something that's important and you're talking, it is important to be confrontational. And in this, I'll, um, I'll, I'll just make a reference to a, to a verse that's in, this, that's in this passage that I find very, that I, f- I find is a, an, insightful, an insightful guide when, when Paul talks about this. In verse 26, um, it, it talks about do not let the sun go down on your anger, which is, which I've, I've heard that verse before. Um, but in this context, it mean, I think it's, I use it as a very practical tip, so I'll just share this with you. Um, so how long should you let something exist without speaking the truth? If you feel like you're speaking the truth, how long should you let that go? And what Paul said is don't let the sun go down. So in my mind, what that means is it's like less than a day. Right? Because in any situation that you see, presumably you're awake. And so if you're awake, it's going to be sometime in the morning. And let's just say the, the situation that you saw happens in the morning. Don't let the sun go down. So that means you've got about less than a day to figure out, um, figure out how to say it, what to say, um, go, with the, go to the person, um, confront them, um, which is a good guide. Now, also there's parts in the Bible where, you know, we're, we're, supposed to control, we're supposed to control our temper also. So reacting immediately is also not the right thing to do. So sometime between immediately and the end of the day is just something I took away from that verse, and that's, um, I wanted to share that back with you as a, as a guide when you're applying this, speaking the truth in love, that that, um, you know, don't, let, don't sin in your anger and um, don't let the sun go down could be a good guide on, on that, type of a, that type of a confrontation. And remember, the reason that we're doing this is to build up, this is the instruction, this is how we build up the body of Christ. 
So um, I'll go to the, the next one. So that's the first one. The second one I'll touch on quickly. It says, do not steal, but do work that builds up the body. Um, and again, this one, do not steal, should be easier for people than, do not, than doing the work that builds up the body um, in service. So certainly, do not steal. That's a pretty clear instruction. We're not going to, we're not going to cheat or steal from anyone within the body. That's not allowed. But how do, you, the, how do you think about doing work that builds up the body? So if you go to the next. Um, what this means to me, and I think the examples we can have, is give back and share with those in need. This is part of God's plan. So when you're, when you're part of the church, to be always thinking about how are we going to do work that builds up the body, how are you going to give back? Like certainly you're not going to take anything that doesn't belong to you. That's this level of commitment. But to give back and share with those in need is what we're, is what we're called to do. So being proactive and looking for those opportunities, where can you, where can you give, where can you share back with those blessings that you have that you can really help somebody in the church. And if you could imagine the context of, this is the early church where there's Jews and Gentiles, people who aren't used to being together, have this instruction to love one another, I think for me it makes complete sense that if you, if this is the instruction that's given and these and different groups of people are thinking, you know, the people who have more are going out of their way to figure out how they can give back and do work that share, do work, for others within the church would certainly go a long way to build, to build that sense of unity. When you have people helping other people in ways that build, up, that build up the body of Christ, you could see that would be another way that would really build the unity. Um, and the last point that I make, um, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So again, in this one, there's a contrast between do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Okay. All right. Don't speak badly about one another. Don't go out of your way to point out other people's faults. That's part of what he's calling you to do. But then it goes on, but only what is helpful or building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit. So the challenge here, I think, is finding those opportunities, find people doing something that is benefiting and giving them those words of encouragement. Like if we did that more as a body, you could see how that, this instruction of sharing those encouraging words with each other would tend to bring the unity together and thus that would build up the, that will build up the body of Christ. And so in this one, um, We'll play a little, uh, little game, a little group participation. If you can't say anything nice, then? All right, everybody knows this. You don't have what Paul, that instruction is not what Paul's saying. If you can't say anything nice, then? You keep looking, and you find something nice to say and encouraging to say for that person. Now, speaking the truth in love, you can't find somebody doing something wrong and say, oh, good thank you for doing that, that really helps if it's not truthful. So you can't say that, but bear with it. Remember that instruction. Keep thinking, keep looking. There's something, and that God has given them gifts. They could be different gifts than the gifts that you have, but there's something that that person is doing that is benefiting our body, that is benefiting, um, that is benefiting our body, and by finding that, 
And actually saying that encouraging word to somebody, that's the point I think that Paul is making. Like, that will actually build up the unity. So if you go through all of these, all of these, these do not do this but do that on these three examples, if we all practice that more often, I think it would make this Capital Community Church a, a stronger body. It would start building that unity, building those relationships between people who don't naturally have, who don't naturally have that relationship. So for me, it's amazing how this was written to the Ephesians centuries ago, but it still applies in a very practical way even to us today because in any, in any circumstances, certainly this is how Paul meant it to be delivered to a church, and this is God's plan for a church, but you could see how this could build unity amongst any group of people if you don't have it, if you have people acting in this way. Um, this one about not saying, you know, finding, finding something um, positive to say about people, this is, I think this is something that, that's, that's really important, and I could relate to it in, in my, in, even in my work environment. When I find myself sometimes, um, you know, somebody says something good, and I think to myself, it's like, yeah, you think? Like, it's about time. Or, yeah, of course, that's, of course that's the answer. Um, and what I'll do is I'll catch myself not saying anything, because to say those words out loud, certainly, is that going to build that person up? Of course it wouldn't. Like, is that what they need to hear? No, it's not. Um, but finding the words that you can say in that, in that situation, I find uh, it's, a, it's a challenge. And I invite you to the same thing, to do the same thing. It's like when you have something to say to somebody, find an encouraging word because that really will go a long way to, to build them up. And that's what the, and that's what the verse said. It said, you know, do not speak unwholesome works, but rather words that build each other, that build them up and then, you know, thus build the, the body of Christ. So you go to the, the next slide. Um, so when you're doing this, this is a, as I wrap up, be complete in terms of making, don't just, don't just, uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So be complete and actually find the encouraging word. And I would challenge you to um, today, um, encourage somebody today that you have. And in doing so, that will be building the, the body of Christ. So finding those encouraging words to say to somebody is the, the point that I want to leave you with here today. Because this, this is what God had intended. This is how God expects us to, um, it's his plan to bring us together um, and thus reflect the, the body of Christ. Um, and you can't, and what we should also realize is um, this is why we have the Holy Spirit to help us. And this is why don't try to do it on your own. This is where you pray to God and have Jesus live his life through you so that that love that God has can be shared through you with, with others. So the next slide, and I'll, I'll use this to, to wrap up. Chapter 4 ends with, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ forgave you. And this is the last verse of chapter 4. And in this, we have the invitation to focus on the do's, not only on the don'ts. So be complete in that and focus on both the, the especially on the do and do nots. And when you don't get it right, the concluding verse here is, 
you will forgive each other. So when somebody doesn't get it right toward you, forgive them, just as God always forgave us. And the theme in here of loving one another is, remember, it's bear with it. Um, it is part of God's plan, so we need to bear with it, but doing it in a way that use God's help, pray that God gives you that, the, the patience that's needed, those kind words, those encouraging words, because that is, that is his plan, and he will help. So I'll close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the gift of salvation sacrifice of Jesus Christ and we thank you for your word written and spoken through prophets and apostles even the letter from Paul to the Ephesians that it applies for us here at Capital Community Church today I pray that you bless and touch our hearts so that we learn to come to know you better and the plan you have for each one of us here and that we open our hearts to do your will and bring your kingdom to this place by loving one another amen <laughs>